Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, may I just join with these guys and extend my very warm welcome to you. If you are here for the very first time, great to have you amongst us. And uh, you've joined us as we're partway through a series where we're looking at the subject of culture. And in essence, who are the sorts of people that we want to be? And uh, so this morning, I'm going to be talking a little bit about generosity. But to be honest with you, it is kind of in God's divine sovereignty that this also lands on a week where we are taking a moment to recognize the anniversary of the uh, 100 years since the First World War's ceasefire was introduced. So at uh, 11 a.m. on the 11th of November, 1918, was the end of a four-year war that um, really did ravish a huge amount of the population of the world at that point. In fact, I've got to say that I'm no uh, history expert, but between those dates of kind of July 1914 and uh, November 1918, the statistics, frankly, are quite staggering. And so the total number of military and civilian casualties was around about 40 million people. And uh, estimates range from somewhere between 15 and 19 million people actually died through that war. And then around about 23 million other people were wounded military personnel, which makes it rank amongst the most deadly events of all of human history. Now, to put that into context for you, for around about that four and a half years for which the war raged, if you were to look around you for a moment and realize the number of people that are in this room right now, it's around about that number that died every single hour for four and a half years. It is honestly tragic. Now, Remembrance Sunday will stir up a whole range of different emotions and thoughts in different people. There are some people who, frankly, will feel very angry. And there'll be a sense of anger about the futility of war. There'll be some who have a genuine sense of grief at the loss of legacy and family members and people who have been involved There'll be some people here who, who feel a sense of gratitude, actually, that actually we weren't involved, we weren't born at that time, and, and, and you know, thinking to themselves, thank you, God, that, that at this time we're not facing the same level of tragedy. And there'll be some people who are also very much aware on a day like today of the damage of war that's going on in the world right now and the pain and the circumstances with which we're living in our time. Now, today is not about us glorifying war. So what today is, is a way that we can come together to respect and come together to honor the sacrifice of the people who have come before us. And so 100 years on from that war, what I want us to do is to look at some of Jesus' eternal words, which actually, I think, speak into that situation, speak into our lives today. And so if you'd like to join with me in John 15, we're going to read verses through, uh, from 9 through 17. If you have a Bible, if you don't, don't panic. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. But let's listen into some of the things that Jesus says about both our perspective, but also our priorities right here and right now here in Bedford. Jesus says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Now remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way as I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are friends 
if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now, Jesus' words here are actually spoken on the night prior to him being betrayed. It's literally, this is the time, as it were, when Jesus is in the trenches right before the most significant thing he was ever going to walk through. So he knows what's about to happen to him. He knows the soldiers are going to come. He knows that he's going to be betrayed into their hands. He knows he's going to be falsely accused, and he knows he's going to be put to death. This is the equivalent of his hidden moment in the trenches. And yet, what is it, before he goes over the top, as it were, to face the enemy, what is it that he says to those who are his friends? And what is it that resounds now, almost as our rallying cry, our encouragement, our orders? He says, love each other and remain in his love. See, Jesus tells us that the answer to war, the best response to hatred, the solution to violence, the way through death is love. As King Solomon in the Song of Songs put it, he said, love is stronger than death. Now, I was reading a book this week um, just about the, the First World War and finding out a little bit about what happened. And one of the names of the stories of uh, something that happened then stood out to me because of the fact that it's also the name of a school here in Bedford. It's just a little bit down uh, the road from where I live in Brickhill called Edith Cavell. Now, this lady, Edith Cavell, was a Christian who served as a nurse and a matron in Belgium during the First World War. Now, she actually uh, lived in Norwich and then spent time in, just down the road in, in Peterborough. But she was notable, notable because she was a pioneer of modern nursing. And it was her strong beliefs that propelled her to help all of those in need. Now, that would be both people who were the enemy as well as other allied soldiers. But she was most celebrated because of the fact that she was someone who was able to help 200 Allied soldiers escape from German-occupied Belgium. And when she did that, she was arrested, she was accused of treason, she was found guilty by court-martial, and she was sentenced to death. And despite international pressure, she was shot by a firing squad. Now, the night before her execution, she said to a priest who was there with her, she said, "'Standing as I do, in view of God and eternity.'" I realize that patriotism is not enough. I must have no hatred or bitterness toward anyone. Now, Edith understood something of Jesus' commands where he said that it's better to love your enemy as well as your neighbors, as well as your friends. And when she took communion for the very last time, that chaplain who was with her said to her, we shall remember you as a heroine and as a martyr. And she replied, don't think of me like that. Think of me as a nurse who tried to do her duty. You know, it's stories like this that inspire me. Stories like this who, uh, that make real what Jesus said in that verse, where it said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I read the story of another Christian, a gentleman called uh, Robert Quigg. He was a rifleman in the 12th Battalion Royal Irish Volunteers. And he was involved on the morning of July 1st, 1916, 
on the first day of the advance that was called the Battle of the Somme. And what happened was that Allied forces tried to extend their territory and kind of step out to take on the enemy, but they were hit time and time again with this fierce response from machine guns. Now, his platoon advanced no less than three times, but being beaten back by the defenders on each occasion. Now, hundreds of that battalion had lost their lives, and many lay injured. And when their squadron leader was missing, it was Robert Quigg who immediately volunteered to go out and try to find survivors. Now, over the course of seven hours, he ventured out under intense machine gun and shell fire on no less than seven occasions. And each time, he returned with a wounded colleague. Now, on his last foray into no man's land, he crawled to within yards of the German wire and dragged a badly injured man on a back on a ground sheet. Now, these heroic actions earned Robert Quigg the Victoria Cross, which is the Queen's highest honor for bravery. And it's, it's great to, to hear stories like this. They are genuinely inspiring. And, you know, we can look back on someone like Robert Quigg and say he's a hero. But, you know, actually, for those seven people that he saved, that he rescued, that he, he brought back, he's more than just a hero. In that moment, he was their personal savior. And, you know, the big picture of the Christian faith is actually that every single one of us needs a personal savior and that Jesus has made the decision to go up to go out to where none of us could have gone, to make the difference. See, he died to bring you life and to reconnect your relationship with God. See, he's not just a hero. He's not just a legend. He's not just a nice story. But through his death and resurrection, he can bring you and I personally to God. And that's the most life-changing thing you're ever going to hear. But it's appropriate on a day like today that we take the moment to be able to reflect and to remember. And so I just want to invite uh, Lib Wainwright, Libby, to come and uh, join me up on stage here. Now, Libby, in a moment, is going to be playing on her cornet um, a piece of music you may well be familiar with called The Last Post. It's sometimes uh, heard at uh, ceremonies and um, military funerals and the like. And really, it's an opportunity for us to pause and to remember. Now, if you're willing what I'd love to do is invite you to stand with me just now. And once Libby finishes playing, we're going to take two minutes to be silent. Two minutes in prayer and two minutes to remember. As we reflect on those who sacrificially laid down their lives a hundred years ago today. Let me just... Um, before Libby starts, tell you this famous, I think it's called the Kohima Epitaph, which focuses the mind. And it says this, when you go home, tell them of us and say, for your tomorrow, we gave our today.
says this, Lord, strengthen our hearts, hands, and mind to work together for peace, to see you in one another, and to seek your kingdom above all things, that your will may be done and your kingdom come through Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Amen. Please do take your seats. So important to do, isn't it? So important to remember. And actually the realization that the people who we are remembering today really did live extravagantly to the utmost degree, generous lives. And it's in that vein that I want to continue this message because we've been looking at the source of people in the midst of not just where do we want to go, but who do we want to be on the journey? And we've been looking at what Jesus models and what he teaches. And what we've been trying to do through this series is actually also talk about the the values and the substance that underpins the sort of words that we want to pursue. So let me recap to you where we have been. We've been talking about how the Father has made us in his image, and therefore we honor all. That Jesus has broken sin and shame, and therefore we can live with authenticity towards one another. We will be looking at in the next two weeks the fact that nothing is impossible for God, and therefore we can live courageously, and that we are unconditionally loved, and therefore we can live with acceptance. But right now, in light of all the things that we've spoken, I just want to emphasize the fact that Jesus himself gave it all, and therefore we too can live with radical generosity. Now, I don't know whether you remember your very first time at the King's Arms. I know some people remember it very well because it was like today or like last week. But I actually remember my first ever time. And I'll be honest with you, I was super nervous. Okay, And I was thinking to myself, what's it going to be like? Am I going to get stood up and asked to recite the Ten Commandments or anything weird like that? Is is this going to be a people that I'm going to connect with? Am I going to find any friends there? I was super nervous. And frankly, I thought you were all really weird, waving your arms in the air and singing along. It was just strange. But one of the things that I thought was really incredible was the fact that I met a guy that uh, first morning that I'd come along, and his name was Rory Parkinson. And uh, he came up to me, and he just said hello. He could see that I looked a little bit nervous, a little bit new, I think. And uh, he kind of shook me by the hand and, and you know, introduced me to his wife and, and spent a little bit of time talking to me and then invited me and said, hey, look, you know, why don't you come to, to my house for dinner? It'd be great to connect with you. And the fascinating thing was that four years later, when I got married to my wife, it was Rory who was stood alongside me as my best man on that occasion. And the very first interaction that I had with him was when he simply welcomed me on a morning like this morning. And you know, I felt it appropriate just for a moment as we're talking about generosity to just touch base for a second on hospitality and the significance of what it means for us to be a generous people as we love those even within our community. Because hospitality makes a massive difference And the truth is that if we're going to be a generous church and a welcoming church, it's not just going to take one or two individuals. It's not certainly going to take just the people, brilliant though they are, who are there in orange t-shirts welcoming people as they come in. It's going to take us as an entire community. Would you agree with that? Some of us here, though, I think it's probably fair to say, have got a little bit comfortable. We kind of know the seats that we always sit in, and we know the people that we want to spend time with, and it becomes a little bit formulaic and rigid in terms of how we might spend our Sunday mornings. And perhaps we can forget the person 
who maybe is here very nervously for the very first time. And you know what? I get it. Honestly, I do. I, I, I still find it quite awkward going and approaching someone for the first time. You know, I find it a little bit embarrassing, a little bit intimidating. What if I say the wrong thing? And, and in the position that I'm at, to be honest, there's been a bunch of times when I've gone up to someone and said, hey, really nice to meet you. My name's Steve. Have we met before? And they're like, yeah. A whole heap of times, you know, and it's been like, you know, five or six times that I've said exactly the same thing, and I've got a shocking memory, and I'm sorry if that was you, by the way. There was one occasion when I, uh, I chatted to a lady at a King's Kids event, and, um, you know, I knew that she'd been around the King's Arms for a little while, but I kind of approached her, wanted to say hello, and said, hey, really nice to meet you, my name's Steve, and uh, I know you've been coming to King's Arms, but how long have you been coming? She said, 11 years swallow me and we've never said hello this is really awkward and what do you do and do you know what time and time again and there's even occasions where people approach me like in the supermarket or at the school game it's like hey Steve how you doing kind of how's the kids and I'm like hi I'm entirely sure I know who you are I'm hoping that I know you and I'm just you know trying to muddle through a little bit and it can be a little bit awkward we were laughing, I was with some friends last night about the fact that we were uh, talking about these kind of introductions and uh, I know for, for a guy, there's this kind of, you know, we're going to go for a firm handshake, but there's sometimes it doesn't quite work. So I remember an occasion when I kind of stepped into a guy um, with, you know, a hand out, right? But he went for the hug. And so as we both stepped forward, I was thinking, do we hug? Do we hand? Do we? Anyway, my, my hand, I, I, as he embraced me with the hug, kind of got trapped next to his groin. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, how do we get out of this? I just feel awkward. But you know what? That actually wasn't the worst occasion. There was a time that was even worse than that when... When, now, now this, is, this is a t- t- trick, right? If you're going to hug someone, go big and go early with the arms, okay? And, so, and so, so this guy and I were stepping toward each other. I knew him a little bit, and we just got to kind of hugging point, okay? And so he steps into me. I step into him. We big embrace. And then I realized that I had his ear in my mouth. <laughs> no, it's true. And uh, the problem was that because he had gone into my mouth, there was no real way of, of, of getting around it. And so we kind of stepped back, and he kind of looked at me and said, you just had a nibble of my ear, didn't you? <laughs> Now, very importantly, I told that story in the first meeting, and then someone came to give me a hug and uh, put my ear in their mouth. Don't do that. (laughs) This is not going to become a thing, all right? The thing about it is this, okay? I, I would rather not have some of those awkward moments, honestly. I, 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 frankly, I would, I would, my life would be much smoother if I didn't have to. However, you see, Jesus hung naked on the cross for me, okay? And I want to be willing to walk across the room and greet and come after you. I want to be the person who's willing to even lose a bit of dignity and feel a little bit awkward just to be able to say, you're welcome here. But it's going to take every single one of us to do that. Do you understand? There's a very famous painter called Pablo Picasso. Now, he said, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. I love that. You see, the most caring thing I believe that we can do for one another in the midst of our pursuit of Jesus' kingdom is that we can help them learn how to give their life away. So what are we giving ourselves to? How are we being a generous people? A few years ago, I started a missional community. It was one of the first that we'd done here, a missional community called Exposure. Now, it was a photography group, but I didn't think about it at the time. But having a photography group called Exposure 
did create me some problems as people were thinking, is there some kind of like nudist photography thing going on? No, 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 no. It was, it was a cool photography word, I promise you. Anyway, the whole premise of exposure was the fact that we would gather together as people who were uh, passionate about photography, okay? We were um, people who were kind of good amateurs, and our desire was just simply to want to bless the socks off people outside the church. And so what we would do is we would offer free photo shoots, okay? And uh, so whether it's people who had just got engaged or married or celebrating something, or frankly, anyone we found who had a new baby or something, and we would take them out and honestly, just as best as we could, treat them like kings and queens. We would buy them Krispy Kremes and take them flowers and bring them drinks and just say, do all that we could to say, you are loved and chosen, and uh, we wanted to, to bless them. So we would take the, the photos and then give them all away for free. And every single one of them was so rocked by it. So It was so countercultural. And so we had this ability to, uh, even in that vein, just say, hey, do you know what? We've learned a little bit about you. We'd love to just pray for you. And time and time again, getting to pray for people who were outside the four walls of the church. Now, one particular story stood out to me, though, because of the fact that we had this um, young family. Now, they had had a daughter. It was something like three or four months premature, a very poorly young girl. And um, she'd had uh, tubes that were helping her to breathe and to feed. And uh, even though when we met her, she was you know, close to two years of age, if I remember rightly, she was still unable to move because she would kind of sit still. And we took these amazing photos in the house of this family and just gave them away. And at the end of the time that we had together, they just wept as we prayed for them. And they were just like, I just can't believe that you've come here with such generosity. I can't believe that we could, we could, see, we could never go to a photo shoot. We could never have gone to the places. We, we carry so much medical equipment around. And over that 18 months that we did exposure, we took 78 different people out to, for, for photo shoots. And it was simply a case of, we like photography. We like loving people. Let's just do it together. You know, This is what generosity looks like. What Jesus says in this passage, you see, is that you will be filled with joy, and your joy will overflow. Do you know, being a generous people is actually really good for us. You can have a great time being generous. I remember teaching my uh, children, uh, it was around about a year ago now, when we, uh, we decided that we were going to teach the kids that we wanted to do bless and runs. Now, a bless and run, if you haven't heard of it before, is a little bit like a knock and run, but it's good stuff instead of just irritating the neighbors, okay? And so the deal was that we, with the kids, decided we'd have a conversation about, right, who do we really want to bless and what can we bless them with? We'll, you know, put together little hampers and goodie bags and so on, and then we'll go around to certain people's houses, knock on the door, leave the gift, and peg it as fast as we could. And let me tell you, the joy and excitement on the children's faces was incredible, and they were just getting involved, and they were praying for these people, and they were like, well, we should get this, and we should get that. And then you know, we get to the point where you, know, you can see the door, and you're wondering, is anyone going to see us through the, through the curtains there? And we kind of run together. We put it down. Big knock on the door. Go, go, go. And you know, you've got like, James and Lexi throwing themselves into the bushes, and like, Philip is in the getaway car. She's like, get in, get in, as we're driving away really fast. I tell you, it's so much fun. It's like this beaming sense of delight on their faces. I remember when uh, Philip and I used to lead a small group in the church. It was a kind of a it was group life before we had life groups and missional communities. And um, there was around about 12 people, I think, in the group at the time. And one of the other members, I don't want to take credit for this, but one of the other members in the group kind of came to me and said, hey, look, there's one guy who's part of our group called Barry. He's in a really difficult situation. His, his life is, is, is tough right now, various different circumstances. And finances are desperately tight for him. So I would love for, do you think we could just maybe ask the other group if they wanted to give a little bit of money to be able to support him in this situation? I was like, sure, you know, ask away. I mean, no one was especially wealthy in the group, but I remember vividly the moment when we gave Barry an envelope and he opened it up and there was, there was something like five or six hundred pounds in the envelope. But you know, the, the, the actual, the, the amount 
actually didn't grab me in the, the way that his face did. Because it was the realization as he just began to weep that people are with him and that God's for him and that actually someone's been willing to be generous in that moment and that the joy and the delight and the expression will always live with me. This, I mean, Simon spoke about it a few weeks ago. This is one of the paradoxes of the kingdom. You see, we don't give to receive, and yet when we give, we do receive. Such joy and excitement and, and pleasure at doing it. Many of you will know if you've been here any length of time about the tsunami of love coins that we've been giving out, simply with radical and generous acts of kindness. Just this week, I had a couple of stories come in, uh, one of whom just found out some colleagues of his wanted to go to a rugby game, never been to a rugby game in his life, really wanted to, and so he organized for him and someone else to go along and watch an international rugby game this last week. Isn't that incredible? We had one uh, couple who amazingly had their uh, 50th wedding anniversary. And so what they decided to do was they uh, got in touch with the person who made their wife's wedding dress and then wrote a letter with a tsunami of love coin and a voucher to go on an all-expenses-paid weekend away. Isn't that incredible? What amazing act of generosity and love and kindness. I had um, someone write into me who had received a tsunami of love act uh, just this summer, okay? And uh, I know now who it was. It was one of our staff team. And this particular lady had had, they'd heard me talking about it. They'd had one of the Tsunami of Love coins for a little while. It was kind of sat in their pocket. And they were kind of thinking, right, where am I going to give this? God, what is it you want me to do? And it kind of sat there burning a hole a little bit until the point where she felt like Holy Spirit said, actually, now's the time and here's the place. And so what she had done is she'd left an envelope with some money in it and a little note to a, a small business owner alongside a Tsunami of Love coin. Now, the note that I got back on Facebook was this. This morning, someone left this letter and the gift in my shed. I run a small flower farm, and I sell flowers, honey, eggs, and produce from the shed. I've been working all hours to start the business while also teaching part-time at a local school. Now, I don't know if the person who left it knew, but last night, someone broke into my shed. They took the money, and they broke the, all the eggs. And I was so upset as we've been, had been targeted by persistent thieves. I was on the verge of giving up. I was fed up. And after this kind act, my faith in people has been restored. I now remember there are, people more, uh, there are more lovely people in the world than horrid ones, and I must never forget this. I will be passing this on. Isn't that amazing? I just love stories like that. A few of you, uh, I'm sure, will have remembered that not so long ago, I was talking about Halloween and saying, right, in my family, what we want to do is we want to be light and salt, on, even on a night like that. And so we decided with the children that we were going to um, give out big chunks of goodies. And when people came to our door, make reference to the fact that, hey, we don't really celebrate Halloween, but what we'd love to do is encourage you to pass on this act. This is a picture of us uh, on that night. You've got kind of James and uh, Lexi kind of holding the, 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 the uh, uh, pumpkin, pumpkin, and, uh, and the sweets, and, and super excited. Ollie, not so much, but... What I'd said to the kids, though, is, right, we're going to pray for, for people, people who come. And um, I said to, said to James that, that for every person who comes to the house, you guys can have a suite as well, okay? And so his first prayer was like, God, give us loads of people that all come to our house. The fascinating thing is that in a normal year, I reckon we get 10 or 12 people. That night, we had 37 different people come. Seriously, remarkable. 
Anyway, so 37 people come to the door, okay? And, and as, as, as they come in various different groups of stuff, we offer them uh, uh, goodies, and often parents stuff will say, oh, you know, just, just take a little bit. We actually said to them, no, 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 we want you to take a lot. We want to be super generous to you on one condition. We're going to give you a coin, and on this coin, um, it talks about how we want you to pass on the kindness. Can you do that? Every single one of them took a coin and said they were going to pass on the kindness, okay? And then what we also did was we said, hey, look, actually, we're Christians. We love it when people come to our door. How would you feel about if we prayed for you, all right? Now, across that whole group, we prayed for every single person, all right? Now, for integrity's sake, I must say this, okay? There was one group that came, and I bottled it. I, I felt nervous. I felt a little bit intimidated by the number of people who were part of that particular group. Didn't do it. We prayed for them afterwards. And there was also one group who said, actually, we're in a bit of a rush. We've only got an hour. We want to get around as, as many houses as possible. And so we, we prayed for them afterwards. They were fine for us to pray, but afterwards. But that means for the rest of them, which was something like 25, 26 people, we prayed them for them on our doorstep as they stood there. And, and it's just an incredible thing. See, this is the kind of openness that people in our society genuinely do have. Let me read you an amazing quote by a guy called John Wesley, where he said, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people that you can, for as long as you can. Ha! I'd love for that to be written on my gravestone one day. It's an amazing way for us to live. But we have been appointed, the scripture said, to bear Fruit that will last, lasting fruit. This is my command, love each other. Now, do you know what? I don't know what's happened to many of those uh, doorstep encounters. And do you know what? I feel pretty relaxed about that. I just trust that that's taken them on a step in their journey, however long that might be. And I've left a good impression with them. But actually, what I want to do is also recognize that for all of us, we want to see lasting fruit. That might be a stick of dynamite. It might be a bit of seed sown. But where's the lasting fruit? Now, what I'd love to do is just tell you three stories, okay? The first comes from the King's Arms Project. The King's Arms Project is our outreach to the poor, the homeless, uh, to the, the refugee and the addict. And they do an incredible job. And frankly, I've got such a huge amount of time and respect for those people who serve on the project from within our community, whether it's as volunteers or as staff. But I was celebrating with them a whole bunch of things that God's done this last year. And just last week, heard this story. And I'm going to change the name intentionally, but there was a lady called Wendy who became homeless and was staying at our night shelter. Now, she was homeless because of the fact that she was running away from an abusive relationship. And so she was connecting with our teams and helping to rebuild her confidence. And uh, she was gaining certain certificates and uh, skills and abilities based around the fact that, um, you know, we were running these courses to try and help people like her. But the team said that her life was in chaos. She was very withdrawn. She was very quiet. And uh, she actually used to spend a lot of time, though, here in the coffee shop simply because of the fact that she wanted to get away from the street scene. Now, the project team said that they had this huge privilege of, over a period of months, investing in her and seeing her self-esteem grow. And she had this newfound confidence as she was starting to interact with people. And they were starting to see her beautiful character come out. Now, just recently, she wrote a letter into the team, which I want to read to you. She's no longer living in Bedford, but she said this. The last time I emailed, I informed you of my news of being pregnant. Well... I thought I'd give you a full update on what life looks like at the moment. Myself and my partner are now in our very own house. Yay. And I'm now doing an apprenticeship in pediatric administration at a local hospital, and I'm well ahead in terms of my coursework and doing extremely well. 
Uh, we are so excited for the future. I'm so grateful for all the support, care, guidance that you and the team gave me whilst I was homeless last year. You've built my confidence in ways I never would have thought would happen. My partner also wants to thank the team for looking after me when I was in need and sends his best wishes to everyone on the team. Now, I want others to know that no matter what their situation is, with a little bit of support, encouragement, and magic dust, things can get better. Now, our little boy has arrived. We plan on visiting the King's Arms to introduce him to the greatest people on the planet. And that is the King's Arms Project team. You are all so welcoming, so caring, so passionate and loving, and the world really does need more people like you. Without you, I wouldn't be where I am today, and I certainly wouldn't be who I am today either. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful story. And uh, just behind me, there's a picture of, of, of just the, the sliver of the arm of the child, just because I thought you might like that as well. Now... You might think that stories like that are somewhat isolated in this community. Well, do you know what? They're not. I was chatting with a, a young man just last week who's uh, part of our church here. And uh, he was telling me that just 18 months ago, and very much from a Sikh background, but he was suffering with um, years of severe depression, insomnia, and anxiety. And uh, he was looking for answers. And frankly, he said to me that he was looking for a big enough God who might be able to make a difference and actually break through. Now, some friends of his had introduced him to a lady who's part of this church. Her name is Sarah. And um, uh, they said, look, there is this woman of God who seems to pray and then God answers. You need to go and speak to her. And I thought that is a brilliant reputation, by the way. You know, you need to speak to a woman of God who prays and then gets brilliant answers. Oh, great. All right. And so he went to go and have conversations with this lady and um, interactions that lasted some weeks. And uh, after many conversations, he says, and debates, and what he describes as countless amounts of prayer and intercession on her part, God broke through. She never let me go, introduced me to this church, and then began to disciple me and mentor me into Christianity, to not just be a convert, but to be a child of God. And now he's free from depression, free from anxiety that has crippled him for so long. Isn't that amazing? Like God's on the move in our community. It's just beautiful. You know, it's the generosity of people like Sarah that actually transform lives. Jackie Pullinger said this. She said, unless they see the love of Jesus in your aisles and feel it in your hands, how will they know the love of Jesus is real? Are they going to see it in your eyes? Are they going to feel it in your hands? Let me tell you a third and final story. Because I honestly believe that generosity is powerful. Some of you guys will know that we have a uh, team led by Mike and Ali Green that goes into Bedford Prison, seeking to love people and offer hope. And they are some of the most generous people that I know. And they go in and they, they, they look after Sunday meetings and they counsel people and they uh, lead alpha courses there. And um, this last week, I'm one of the people who gets the King's Arms Facebook messages. And we had a, a letter that came in, which I thought I'd read out to you with permission. Uh, this is from a gentleman. And he says this. He says, hi, King's Arms. Now to you guys, okay? I was hoping to get hold of Ali, who I met in Bedford Prison a few months ago. I wanted to thank her and Michelle, who prayed for me. They helped me on my road to becoming a true Christian. I want, to, I want them to know I was baptized in Luton after my release, and the Holy Spirit came in and saved my life. He's transformed me, and he's mended my broken heart and life. Just wow. I wish I could explain everything, but you'd probably think I was nuts. I was a drug addict. I was a smoker, 
I was a sinner. Now I'm a new creation, and through Christ, I'm clean, and his spirit fills my heart. (laughs) I'm still in disbelief sometimes. Everything that's happened since the Spirit came to me and the Lord revealed himself to me, Ali and Michelle were God's vessels who helped me come to be reborn into light. And I would love to thank them both, yours lovingly. And one of my favorite parts of this whole email is the fact that at the end, he, he changed, I won't tell you his first name, but he changed his surname to be Becomes Hope. And I just think, God, may my life resound with stories like that. God, may it me one day be that actually people would look through our lives and realize the number of people we affected with generosity and time and our gifts and our love and our affection, which simply changes the people around us. I wrote down in my notes, it's purpose more than pounds in your pocket that brings the greatest life satisfaction. And so then from that place, I'd love for us to pray. Why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me? You have a purpose. Just engage with God for a moment. Fix your gaze on him. If it helps you to close your eyes and lift your hands, you can do that. You know, when it comes to us talking about culture, there is no guarantee that we are going to fulfill what we're pursuing. But let me tell you, there is an absolute guarantee that we will fail if we do not try. And so I want to pray for all of us, and then I want to pray quickly for one specific group before we tell you what we're going to do next. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you, God, that we are saved and rescued. And I want to thank you, God, that in you we are rich beyond measure. That we are the wealthiest people on earth because of the grace of God that's been poured out on us. And God, I want to pray that from that place of grace, and strength, and love, and affection, God, that we would be a generous people, that, Lord, that we would look for opportunities all the way around us, whether it's the person who's sat alongside us, whether it's the neighbor who's across the street, whether it's our work colleagues, friends, and neighbors, God, would you do something else, that we would carry your generosity, and in unique, and wonderful, and creative ways, that we would love people with your love, and demonstrate your kindness. We bless you, Lord Jesus, for this church family. Now, just as we're receiving right now, I know that there's a group of people here this evening, this morning, excuse me, who would say for them that they would have grown weary. That actually, do you know what? It's become a tiring act to keep going, to keep reaching out, to to keep praying for people. And you know, as it were, your generosity meter is very low right now. If that's you, I want to pray for you very specifically. So just wave a hand in the air right now. If you know that you need a shot in the arm and the ability to go again. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, you guys. Do you know, what I felt important to say is that whether it's for Sarah, whether it's for Ali, or whether it's for the project team who I referenced in those three stories, I know that there are stories that don't end like that. But actually, it's their willingness to be persistent and to keep going and to pursue people, which is so important. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I just declare, God, right now, over these hands raised by our entire community, God, that we will be a fruitful people. 
God, that we would uh, continue without losing heart, without losing faith, God, to pursue you in all that you've called us to. And Father, I declare a season of fruitfulness right now in the name of Jesus, and that we will birth fruitfulness for your glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Guys, we're just going to do uh, something real quick. We haven't got long left, but I just really feel strongly we need to put legs on what Steve's just preached. It's very easy to walk out and hear a brilliant message about being generous and walk out and then focus on food because we're hungry and then forget, oh, we're meant to be generous. So we're going to do this fun activity together. So if you've got your phone with you, can you quickly take your phone out and go to your address book where all your contacts are? If you haven't got a phone with you, then we can just ask Jesus to drop her name into your head. But this is what we're going to do. If you go to your address book where all your contacts are, I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit, just flick through it and ask the Holy Spirit to highlight someone's name to you. Just trust him to highlight someone's name to you. And when you've got that person's name, I want you just to quickly ask the Holy Spirit, how do you want me to be generous to them this week? Okay, so we're actually going to put legs on this. If you haven't got um, a phone with you, just ask the Holy Spirit to pop someone's name in your head. Just have, ask him to put someone in your mind and then pray, God, how do you want me to be generous to them? Could be that he wants you to give them money. Could be he wants you to send them a card to encourage them. Could be he wants you to pay off their mortgage. If that's the case, then just make sure my name's in your head. <laughs> I actually haven't, I haven't got a house. If he, if, he, if he says to buy a house, make sure my name's in your head. Um, uh, it could be anything. Holy Spirit's got a brilliant idea, but we're going to take two minutes, scroll through, ask God to highlight a name, and then ask him, what do you want me to do? So I'm just going to give you one minute to do that, and then we're going to do one more thing. Maybe you can tell the person next to you what the Lord has said, just so they can encourage you. And you can have fun doing this, by the way. You're all looking a little bit serious. <laughs> it's okay to have a bit of fun. And it doesn't have to be big. It could be really small, but it's responding to the Holy Spirit, isn't it? He knows what the person needs. quite finished you can finish as we finish if you like but I just want to do a couple more couple more things real quick in the first meeting you know this this the story Steve shared about the small business owner who had been experiencing break-ins and how one of our people which is actually Mary Leggett felt prompted by God to go and leave some money in the tsunami of love coin and how it blew that small business owner away in, in this morning's meeting, when Stephen mentioned it, a, a guy, a prophetic guy in our church texted me and said, I wonder if we should do something else to bless that business that goes above and beyond what's already happened. He said, maybe we should just take up a spontaneous offering and just give him loads of money. And we've never done this before, as far as I know. I, I've never known us do this before, but I thought, well, why not? So there's absolutely no pressure to give. We, we had a whole load of people give this morning, so it's going to be really fun. I'm sad I'm not the person taking the money because I want to see their face. But 
And Mary, if you, you're going to grab a basket and just stand at the front. If you, there's no pressure, but if you want to give and for us to just go above and beyond for that business owner and just bless their socks off, feel free to come and stick some money in the basket and we'll make sure it gets to them and we'll, we'll tell you how it went and see how God, God's kingdom break in. So feel free to do that. Also, we've got a ministry team who are going to be at the front. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, a particular word of knowledge for this morning is that someone maybe who's got an inner ear issue that's causing imbalance. We think you're a guy, and we would love to pray for you. So feel free to come up the front if you want any prayer at all. But yeah, let's be generous this week. We're already already really generous. As a church family, just want to thank you. We're already doing a great job at this, but let's go to the next level of generosity. Uh, if you're a parent, could one of you please go and get your kids? Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for coming, guys. We'll end the formal part of the meeting here, but be blessed. Have an amazing week. If you want to come and give money to the business, come and drop it in the basket. Um, Otherwise, have a brilliant Sunday.